machine has appeared in homes across America. Double and redouble his power. 32. Six times more powerful than 3DO. All right, baby. 40 times more than Super NES. Hey, yo, there is no 32-bit Super NES. Are we going to see the games or what? Show me. Welcome everybody to the premiere episode of the Turbo Duo Cast. My name is Sal Mata. I am your uh, your guide and your Sherpa today. <laughs> Sherpa. <laughs> um, you're the you're the Rudolph, the Red Nose Reindeer. Yes, I'm the to one. Our video I'm, game sleigh. That's right. The goal of the Turbo Duo cast is to explore gaming's history and doing it sort of through a lens of our memories. Um, Our idea of the the podcast and the format of the podcast and the content is really to kind of connect us all um, through gaming's history and all the memories that we all have growing up playing the games of yore and the classic systems. The RF switch to your TV. Daisy chaining RS, so who remembers Daisy chaining an NES to a Genesis to a Super Nintendo RF Switch, right? Those kinds of things, and uh, kind of tying that that all together in the community that we call classic gaming. So, uh, again, my name is Salvatore Mata. I'm 35 years old. Uh, we are here in sunny, wonderful Connecticut, um, and uh, the Sunshine State, they like to call it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Sunshine. That's where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> um, the butthole of the U.S. <laughs> oh, man. We still have phone booths here in Hartford. Um, we only export. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, again, the nature of the podcast is really to connect with our with our gaming memories and kind of share those with you guys. Um, and hopefully it resonates with you and is, is a kind of a fun journey for you to explore with us. So uh, today is our first topic, and we're going to be discussing um, an interesting uh, console, actually. We're, we may be discussing games in the past and in, in, in the future. Um, you know, we may go chronologically with some of our gaming memories. Um, Trenton, um, who's also on the podcast with me, grew up, we grew up sort of in the late 80s, but more so in the early 90s. So uh, we're really looking to talk about, you know, the main consoles of the NES, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, and um, the 16-bit wars. Yeah, the, 60, the 16-bit consoles and the 32 and 64-bit consoles, with a smattering maybe of um, smattering of some of the following Man, consoles. Man, what a word! The, uh, in my opinion, the you know the age of gaming between 1989 and 1999 was really kind of the golden age of uh of game development and and um ingenuity in the industry and trying new things and kind of the crazy risks that some of these companies took so it should be a fun uh a fun little journey that we talking about you phillips you cdi i think we're talking about howard phillips the (laughs) game counselor or the game the game master from nes with that bow tie (laughs) my god (laughs) Howard Phillips. Remember he was in he was in uh, was it Howard, Howard and Nestor? Remember that little comic that they used to have in Nintendo Nestor Power? the Unlikely? Or no, not Nestor. That's, that's uh, Lester the Unlikely. No, Nestor's Funky Bowling. For for Virtual for Boy. For Virtual Boy, yes. Yeah, I, yeah, it is a little comic strip. Yes, in, uh, I did magazine. own that game at one point. Um, so again, uh, my name's Sal Mata. I think uh, my favorite games of all time, um, I think you have to include Super Mario um, Brothers. Um, pretty much all the Super Mario games of that era. Um, Super nope. Mario 64. Well, not, you know, Mario is missing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zelda is one of my favorite games. Um, Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, a lot of the classic Sega titles. Um, favorite genres would be probably beat-em-ups, uh, platformers, um, shooters, even though they, they tear me down and beat me to shit. I'm like a... A battered prostitute. I just come back for more. I just love it. I can't get enough of it. That's what shooters are. Shooters are the hard. It's the hardest genre. I don't care. That's my opinion. Shooters are the hardest genre in gaming, but it's just fun to shoot shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> shoot the shit. <laughs> it's just. It's just a lot of fun. Um, anyways, we're gonna discover all that stuff. Trenton, uh, introduce yourself. Tell the tell the audience a little bit about who you are, and um, you know what what some of your favorite uh, games are. 
Well, I am uh, Trenton, always right. 34 and three quarters. Yeah. Trenton the third, and the, actually. And the, gl- the gloomy that. side of Willimannic, which was every side. Um, <laughs> Willimannic, Connecticut, that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, favorite games? Uh, oh, man. I mean, WF No Mercy on Nintendo 64 is probably my all time f- favorite because it's my, the most fun I had playing. Ladder match. Yeah. <laughs> Did. Dig- diggity dog. Mm. I think I had like the most fun of playing Nintendo 64 games because you know it was like 11 and 12 when when it came out. Like GoldenEye would probably be another one which I still mm. actually like today. But then on Genesis, it's probably got to be like Streets of Rage. Um, just any pretty much any beat 'em up game. I mean Turtles in Time on Super Nintendo. Definitely. I don't like. I just never got into any like RPGs or any more, like complex games. I just like to turn it on and just and just and just play and go into it. I don't really care about story right. or anything. Right. It's very <laughs> it's, it's very visceral for you. It's it's all about the the meat and potatoes. Yeah. None of the glossy, the glossiness of it. It's just uh, get down to I business. Mean, yeah, that's all we played back then. It was like, yeah. put your Nintendo sixty four in your backpack, ride your bike to your friend's house, and just. <laughs> just play multiplayer games and that was it. Right, right. We almost don't even need instructions. It's just get into it. And, yeah, that's and, why No Mercy was such a great game because literally anyone can play it. There's like two yeah. buttons. Yeah, yeah. What was your uh, earliest gaming memory? Um, getting my Nintendo system for Christmas in 1989. Mm. You were five. Yeah, it was. It was like a magical, a magical moment playing Mario for the first. I don't even remember how I knew about Mario because no one had one. And you're no, an old, no one you're, had you're, a you're Nintendo. The, you were the oldest child, so it wasn't yeah. like you had an older brother. Yeah, I don't even remember how I knew about it, but I just remember playing that for the first time. And then we had to leave my house that morning, going to my grandma's, and like the whole way there, I was just thinking about getting back and we're playing just Mario. Salivating. Just like playing just Mario. It didn't matter there. what else I got that day for Christmas because I was just gonna go back and play more Mario. Did you get any other games? No, not not when I was first. It got, well, it was the yeah, it was with the track and with the track mat and the and the. But you got the, the trifecta. You got yeah, all yeah, three. Yeah, it came with the mat. Yep. Oh, and what, he's and re- referencing Hunt. Duck Hunt. Yeah, Duck Hunt Mario and uh, and uh, track and field, which was a combo car on the on the Nintendo that came packed in, in those bundles that came out that time. Um, you know, for me, the earliest memories, and it wasn't even playing, but I've got an older brother. Uh, who's four years older than me, and I can remember, and then I've and I've got an uncle who's eight years older than me, so they he would always be my uncle Anthony would always be coming over and and hanging out and giving suggestions, and I can remember I was probably it's like, bro you gotta check it out I, man I was probably three <laughs> or four and the first console that we ever owned, believe it or not, was an Atari seventy eight hundred, that was like my first entryway into gaming and we owned Pole Position two and frogger that was those were the, those are the two games that that we had i can remember you know my first vision of of gaming was was frogger on the well the atari 2600 but Oof. we had it for the 7800 because it was backwards compatible um and uh yeah i mean i kind of fell in love right from there you know my mom was a stay-at-home mom and and shortly after that we had gotten the nintendo and just being mesmerized by you know Mario was an adventure at that point because there wasn't, you know, you didn't have games like that. You didn't have um, a game where you could actually go through more than pretty much one screen. You know, Frogger was yeah, one. Yeah, if you're going from Atari 2600 Fro- Frogger Pac-Man. Was, Frogger to... was one screen. Yeah. Even Pole Position was, okay, it was a racing game, but the scenery never changed. You know, it was a track and a background. You know, Mario moves left to right. Pitfall and, was probably almost the, well, the it, only like semi-advanced game. Right, and of that, and I it was didn't know the same thing over and over again. Yeah, you're right, and I didn't know of that game. So yeah. when Mario came around, <clears throat> and you just saw him kind of going through all these different scenes, and the scenes didn't repeat themselves. It wasn't like the same pattern on the first one was the same pattern on the second screen and in fact it was it was you know free-flowing scrolling it wasn't one screen to the next and sort of like a cut uh scenario where it would load in the new the new image it was you know the screen was moving as mario was moving so to me mario super mario brothers is an adventure game i mean it was going from world to world you had to go to 
um, the place where it was night. I think that was World 3. And you could go underwater to the underwater levels. There was the ice bloop, world. Bloop, 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 bloop. You know, you encountered new enemies as you went by. So that was kind of a revelation. Um, but yeah, those are some of my really, really earliest memories um, of gaming. So, And that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about is kind of exploring our past. And maybe some of you guys have had memories like that that you geez you know you you think about it and say you know i can remember when i got my nes so that's the goal of our podcast here is to kind of revisit gaming's history through a 35 year old's eyes so this is going to really appeal to those who are anywhere between you know their late 20s to their early 40s i would say um this is going to be a podcast for you guys to to revisit so uh, we hope that um you know we can be a part of your day once in a while and uh uh, put some smiles on your guys' faces, and we we really love doing it because it's actually a fun way for us to explore our past at the same time. So, anywho, why don't we get right into our our topic for today? So, our topic for today, after all that long windedness, is the Sega 32X, the greatest console to ever come out in 1994. And that statement in and of itself <laughs> is sort of not true because the 32X is not a console in and of itself. <laughs> the the 32X is an add-on. It was an add-on to the uh, Sega Genesis system. And today we want to explore a little bit about the history of the 32X, sort of the roots of the 32X. Where did it kind of come from? Where, where were the, What was the, for lack of a better term, genesis of the... Oh. Of the... Oh. You like that? Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we, 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 we try to inject, you know, some comedy into this every once in a while, people. Um, what was the start of the 32X, and um, what were the technical aspects of it? And then... Blast uh, processing on top of blast processing. You know, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> uh, so, discuss a little bit about the launch of the 32X, um, some of the launch games, and then talk a little bit about maybe why it failed, and then give you guys some, some thoughts on... Um, uh, how we feel about the 32X and maybe some of our uh, 32X memories growing up. So the 32X was released on November 21st, 1994. Did you know that this was coming out? Um, Jeez, I, I don't even remember. Because I had no idea when this, <sighs> when this was happening. I mean, I had my Genesis. I think I had just gotten my Genesis... You got your Genesis. I late. got it late. Yeah, I got my Genesis like in '93 or '94 because I was in like fourth grade, I think. Because hmm. I got, I had the, I got the Genesis and I got it. Well, it didn't come with it, but I the game it had just come out, which was Sonic and Knuckles. Yeah. And that's what I got with it, and I feel. I don't remember like being hearing anything about it. I must obviously I, I must have read it. Because I had a subscription to Game Informer and GamePro, and they were obviously talking about it. You had a subscription to Game Informer and GamePro in 1993? Yeah, I must have. Yeah. I had, dude, I had I had a subscription because from really? Funko Land. It was still Funko Land then. It was. Yeah. But Funko Land had not started with Game Informer as far as I know at that point. Yeah, they were. Were they? Yeah, because I, when I, when I... See, I don't remember that. When I got my Game Gear, that's when I signed, that's when they signed me up for it, when I sold my Game Boy to get a Game Gear. Oh, okay. They, that's when I signed up for their 12-month subscription, because it was like 15 bucks okay. for the whole year, and you know, ten, you still got 10% off the games. Gotcha. I just don't remember reading about it. I'm sure I had to have, though. It must have been in the magazines. Okay. EGM. Yeah, see, my, the, my very first magazine that I got as a subscription was the June issue of EGM it had Sonic, Mario and and uh Crash on the cover. Oh, well, you were that late into the magazine that, game? That, that was and, and honestly, <laughs> that was probably I must have had to send away for something or given like a, a like a card from like one of my games, sent it in or maybe some some reply mail because I Oh, you got I, that like free 3 months subscription because I know, or something like that. Because I didn't order it. It just came in. They must have had data on who I was. And sent me Big a, Brother's watching. Well, yeah, and and but I fell in love with it. I mean, it was just all this gaming news all in one place. I mean, that was those were those were fantastic. So, at that point, I had already had a 32x, and oh. you know, so so you know. Well, so how'd you how'd you have one then? We'll get into that. Oh. We'll get into how that how that happened. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, the start of the 32x. So, if we're gonna talk about the 32x, I feel like. 
we really need to talk about something that occurred a little bit before that. Um, Sega, in my opinion, uh, Trent, I mean, you can chime in and give me your thoughts, but <sighs> Sega was a risk taker. They always were, you know, um, and they always did the wild, wacky, different thing that yeah, nobody crazy. that nobody else would do. And, and that's why they don't make consoles anymore. <laughs> sometimes it would work, and a lot of times it didn't. I would say one time it worked. Yeah. So, the the first thing we need to talk about is the Super FX chip, which was created through uh, by a collaboration between Argonaut Software and Nintendo. And this is what started um, all of the 3D uh, games and 3D special effect games on, on the Super Nintendo. So, you're talking about... Uh, Stunt Race FX. Star Fox. You're talking about especially Star Fox. That's that's the key one. That's what you're talking about. Right. Um, Sega sees this, and I'm not sure if they were already working on it at the time. I've from what I've the research I've done, some reports say that they were already working on some advancements. It basically led to um, them working with Samsung and some of their other partners to create something called the Sega Virtual Processor. It basis this basically was an extra processing uh, board that could uh, boost the capabilities of the current hardware, which was the Genesis, to create poly- polygonal graphics. Um, and reportedly, it was get this, it was anywhere between 300 and 500 polygons that this thing could push. But let that soak in for a second. So I'm not even sure I know what that means. Okay, so the so so the 32x could push 50,000 textured polygons polygons or 160,000 flat polygons. Uh, the Sega Saturn could push 500,000 flat polygons or 200,000 textured polygons. So if that gives you some context on sort of the the capabilities of the system. Context is king. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Bischoff. Um, so this chip relatively was not powerful, but at the time, it could actually render polygons and actually do them at a reasonable clip. If you remember the Super FX chip and you remember games like Star Fox or Stunt Race FX, these games, good or bad, were notoriously slow. I mean, we're talking about frame rates in the teens and possibly lower, depending on what was happening on screen. Um, there was only one game released that utilized the SVP chip, and that was Virtua Racing, um, which came out in, uh, I believe, 1993. It's only $100 when it came out. It was $99.99 <laughs> when it came out. It, it utilized the SVP chip. And if you play that game today, or if you look uh, on YouTube and, and look at clips of, of the Genesis version of Virtua Racing, it, it runs, comparatively to the to Super FX games, very smoothly. I mean, the frame rates are typically, you know, pretty stable, and it's running definitely higher than what the Super FX games were, were doing at the time. It's so, blast processing. Uh, nope, it's the SVP <laughs> chip that, that allowed it to, to, to do that. But the, the price was so prohibitive. I mean, $100 for a cartridge, the thing was like two times the size of a Genesis yeah. cartridge itself. There were plans to release um, a standalone SVP cartridge almost like uh think of uh sonic and knuckles so sonic and knuckles is a cartridge that has sort of a cartridge port on top of it so there were plans to possibly release the svp chip board um as a standalone cartridge that you would then plug in to the genesis and then 32x enabled games would plug in on top of it um i know that daytona usa was was originally planned as a game um so there were you know there were work there were thoughts of maybe we can make the svp chip that next solution kind of to bridge the gap of course sega being sega that wasn't good enough they wanted to go full bore into something else they were like eh, eh. right so <clears throat> you know they saw the capabilities that this this did to boost the genesis and and you have to remember going back to that point north america was such a lucrative market for sega that you know it's hard for companies to want to give up a, a piece of hardware that they have that's doing well, that's you know typically winning in the market or doing very well in the market and making the company lots of money. They want that hardware to last as long as as they can possibly get it to last. Uh, there are many that believe that the only reason why Nintendo ended up 
releasing the Super Nintendo in North America when they did is because this, the Genesis was doing so well. And so at that point, they had to release it and had to give up you know, the, the majority of support to the original NES because they had to compete with, with hardware that was actually coming in and encroaching on their on their business. So Sega having a console that was very, very lucrative to them and probably their most, definitely their most um, successful console at the time uh, to that date wanted to keep it going. So fast forward to there was a, um, a consumer electronics show, CES, that would always occur once in the wintertime and once in the summertime. And this was basically all different kinds of electronics coming together um, at a show where they would show it to sort of the public, to magazines, and kind of the up-and-coming new products that were going to be available. And at CES 1994, in the wintertime, uh, there was a meeting that was held, um, and Sega of Japan and Sega of America came together, and Sega of Japan showed them this idea that they had, that they wanted um, basically Sega of America to design a hardware solution that could keep the Genesis going, and they um, said, here you go, here's, here's the design specs of the chips we want to use, make it work. And the guy at the center of this whole thing is a guy named Joe Miller. He was the senior vice president of product development at Sega of America. Um, he was there between 1992 and 1996. And he basically oversaw any American-made or developed games um, for Sega. So nothing that was from Japan. If it was Shinobi, that wasn't his jurisdiction. Shinobi was made and it was sent over to America. He was in charge of things like Echo the Dolphin, right? Um, you know, games that were made by American studios for the Sega Genesis. Um, he was one of the uh, guys who spearheaded the Sega Channel in 1995. Sega Channel was basically a download service where you could download games through a phone cord um, and also was one of the guys who uh, helped with uh, the start of Sega Soft, which was um, a publisher that would publish uh, Sega games on Sega consoles. So, at this point, you know, CES 1994, he's tasked with um, designing essentially what would amount and turn into the 32X. Um, and so it, used, it utilized this, uh, these chips called the SH2 uh, CPUs. They were a dual CPU uh, system uh, by Hitachi. Hitachi was the provider of the chips. Interestingly enough, the same two chips that are in the 32X are the two chips that power the Sega Saturn. It's just that the Saturns are clocked up a little bit. Um, there's, you know, a few more megahertz that they're that they're clocked up. And when pressed about this, he's Joe uh, did an interview um, a couple of years ago with Ken Horowitz from Sega 16, and so that's where a lot of this information is coming. And um, so Joe was basically tasked with doing this because. Sega of Japan really thought of the 32X as sort of a breeding ground for Saturn development. It was a place where developers could get some some software created and then eventually learn the ropes of these two processors and start developing games for the Sega Saturn. Keep in mind that the Sega Saturn, um, by the time the 32X was released, what, the Saturn was already released in Japan. Yeah, come out like the same time. So the Saturn came out um, in in Japan. I mean, in in Japan, the Saturn came out. I believe in it was late 1994, and then right after, in I believe January of 95 is when the 32X came out. Believe it or not, in in Japan. So in uh, in North America, we got the 32X first. Yeah. And the whole idea, the whole way that that this was marketed and pitched was that the 32X was going to be a cheaper solution into the 32-bit. <laughs> era um, it was 150 dollars to, to to buy the 32x so much less than what the saturn was going to cost which was estimated at 400 dollars, and get 32-bit arcade quality uh games 32-bit arcade quality color it had scaling rotation a lot of the things that to be honest the super nintendo had already had um but they sort of wanted to 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 push this and and again the the whole idea was behind the scenes was to get developers in tune so that they could start developing for Saturn. Um, initially, 
this actually worked out really well. Um, at launch, which again was November 21st, 1994, there were, it's rumored that there was about 1 million, um, there was about demand for about 1 million units. And Sega was not able to, to fulfill that order. They were only able to fulfill about half. Uh, 500,000 were shipped, or about 500,000 were shipped. And initially, the hardware got rave reviews. I mean, the reviewers loved it. They thought it was fantastic. Um, the two launch games for the 32X were Star Wars Arcade, which was an arcade game, and Doom. And at the time, there wasn't really an experience that could sort of matched that in the home. You did have the the 3DO that had been released, and you had the Atari Jaguar, but um, in terms of, um, you know, Sega's might in the industry and brand recognition, as well as the quality of those two games at the time, um, it was reviewed very, very well. So initially, it, it, it um, got a lot of good credit. So um, going into a little bit of, of why it failed, you know, again, we talked about how Saturn was going to be eminently released the following year. And of course there's the, you know, notorious first E3 where Tom Kalinske gets on stage and announces that, um, Saturn is ready that day at select retailers. It was supposed to be released on Saturn day, which was a Saturday, um, at the end of the year, and of course it wasn't, it was stealthily launched, and the reason was that Sega of Japan wanted the, they were, they were, in my opinion, terrified of, of Sony at the time, and they wanted to get this console out first, because they remembered that they got the Genesis out well before the Super Nintendo, and that actually helped them. The one thing that they also had was really quality software at that point that sustained that they were willing to support, and um, so the Saturn gets gets launched early, and now you've got a, a competition. You've got two 32-bit essential essentially two 32-bit consoles. Absolutely, if you stack them together. It's 64 bits. Well, you can't use the Saturn <laughs> with 32x at the same time. Um, I'm going to take a, a, a break, take a, a sip of air here. Any thoughts, Trenton, that you have on sort of anything that we've talked about so far? Did you know any of this before we, we, we sat down for the podcast? No. Okay. I didn't really know the, the what led up to the 32X. I just remember I just remember reading about how the Saturn came out, like, basically at the same time of the 32X. So it was pretty much like... Six months later. A failed system to be, like, Six before it even later, came yeah. out. Because did didn't Sega Japan want nothing to do with it? With the, the, 32, the 32X? Yeah. Well, the, the, so the Genesis was not successful. It was It's called the Mega Drive in, in Japan, and it was not successful. It was actually the third most popular console over in Japan behind the PC Engine, which is our TurboGrafx-16, and then the, the Super Nintendo. So they were running in third place already. They were really excited to kind of get rid of the Genesis and move on to Saturn, whereas in America we were really doing well with with Gen the Genesis was doing well. So you have the Genesis, you have the 32X, and you have the Saturn all at the same time, and really, in my opinion, kind of cannibalizing one another because the messaging is so mixed at that point as to well, what should I really be buying here? And let's not forget that the Sega CD was not the most popular console. In fact, it was really expensive. Get out of here. And and they were pushing <laughs> they were pushing FMV, which burned a lot of people there. Now I'm not saying that that was even the beginning of the end there, but the 32X was something that you know could have had some good support, but almost immediately Sega stopped supporting it. And when you when you when you make a promise to a consumer that you're going to be supporting something and then all ultimately, you know, pull the plug about six months in, consumers aren't going to be too I mean, happy. They only have, what, 40 games or something like that? 40 or 45 games were officially released for the, for the, for the 32X. And a lot of times they were either inferior versions of Sega CD or, or Genesis games or marginally Just like the same exact game. Marginally improved. In some cases... They were better. You know, you look at a game like... But why spend another like $60 w on the same game? Well, know? 
Right. <clears throat> so, I mean, it was it was really hard to differentiate. If you look at WWF, the arcade game, or WrestleMania, the arcade game, on the Genesis and compare it to the 32X through a magazine picture, they're going to look similar enough that you're not yeah. going to say, you know, I need to shell out 150 bucks to get this other console. In the meantime, they already know that the Saturn's going to be coming out in a few months. It was just a lot of mixed messaging. And although Sega's, Sega Japan's intent was, you know, very thoughtful in the way that they wanted to get developers used to the to the architecture, in the end, they just confused and upset their consumer base and really lost the goodwill that they that they had. Because consumers are, are fickle. And when you have another option that is cool, that's hip, that's ready to to be there, that's cheaper, that doesn't have mixed messaging the consumers are going to have an easy decision on what to do. Now, it has nothing to do with where I stand and my beliefs on on you know what I love or the consoles that I love or the games that I love, but we all know what happened. And the PlayStation ended up prevailing in that whole scenario, and Sega really kind of fumbled the ball, if you will. They really dropped the ball. Um, which is which is sad because they're, you know, you look at you look at the 32X and yeah, there's potential there. You know, it's it's a it's a fun little add-on. You know, I mean, who does who owns a 32X today that doesn't think it's the coolest thing? You know, no. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you know what they call it—a Sega CD, a Genesis, and a 32X stacked on top of it, right? No, what do they call they it? They call it the Voltron. <laughs> They call it the Voltron, my friend. And then you put the Game Genie in the 32X with Knuckles, you, Sonic and Knuckles on top of that. Do you remember when I took a picture? Do you remember when I took a picture of? I took a picture of stacks on stacks. It was because I so I own a Model One Sega CD and a Model One Genesis and then the 32X and I think I put, uh, I think I put Sonic and Knuckles, and then I put a Master System on top of that. <laughs> the, the converter. Yeah, a Master System, a, a, a power base converter. And then I put a Master System game inside of that. And it was... Now you're playing with power. <laughs> you turn it on, it just blows up. You know, in hindsight, it was probably dangerous because I probably could have bent the pins pretty far. But at the time, it was just like the funniest shit to do. You know what I mean? Um, How many add-ons did Nintendo have? Well, they came close. We'll, we, maybe we'll explore that in the podcast, but... You know, going back to it, at the, you know, talking about mixed messaging, at the time, Sega was supporting the Sega Genesis slash the Sega CD. They had released the SVP processor. They had they were still developing uh, Game Gear games. Heck, they were still developing and supporting the Master System in some territories. They had PC development that had started. They, they released uh, Sonic CD. Uh, on PCs at that point, they had, if you remember, they had the Sega Pico, which was the child system. It had a pen, and you basically could plug in these cartridges that looked like books, like a leapfrog system, basically, Ca- sort of. Um, and you could turn the pages, and and um, it's funny. I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day who has nothing to do with you. Video. Don't have any other friends, who, right? An acquaintance <laughs> through work. Who someone smiled at me. <laughs> um and she was saying that she remembers she had this device oh it's a female now you're lying yeah (laughs) you know i might be lying i might be making this up but she but she remembered allegedly allegedly she remembered this device that had a book that you could turn the pages so a lot of kids had that at the time who If I met somebody who, who had it, I know with the one person that probably had it. The Pico was more popular than you're giving any credit for. It was, I think it was it was a well marketed product. It was a little early. It was a little before its time, I think, um, which was Sega. I mean, that was Sega. They were before their time in a lot of stuff. Um, anyways, they were supporting. They they had produced the Nomad, which was the portable Genesis. The um, but I mean, they didn't really have to do. I mean, no, they just made it. It wasn't no something they had to make games for no but you think about it, all told including the 32x and the saturn you're talking about maybe seven platforms by our systems seven <laughs> platforms that you're supporting it's too much it's too much to handle um and it's they, too much tuna you know it was like a reverse pyramid they were just crushed under their own weight you know 
Um, and at one point they were thinking about developing an all-in-one 32X, which was called the Neptune, because Sega loved planets. Um, and the Neptune would have been an all-in-one Genesis 32X unit. Um, it looked like the Retron 5, but it was all Genesis-related games. It looked, like a, it looked like a Genesis 2. <laughs> no, yeah. It looked, it like, a, it looked yeah. like a Genesis 2, um, which is the components. I would have wanted that. I don't know if you know, but there are certain modders that have actually gotten that to work, where they took the components of the 32X and sandwiched <laughs> them into a Genesis 2. Why not? Well, that's, we're in the age of do it. No, I know. Do it because you can. Yeah. You know, if, if, if we can do it, you know, if we can put a... You know, if we can make something happen, just do it. Just to see if you can do it. Um, you know who Ben Heck is? No. All right, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he's a he's a YouTuber who tried to basically create a Frankenstein excuse me a Frankenstein system of a ColecoVision or a ColecoVision, um, a Sega Mark One and like another console and just kind of like sandwich them all together. Just what the world needs. Just because you could. <laughs> just because you could. Um. And one of the interesting things about the the 32x is, you know, going back to what Joe Miller said that you know, kind of a, having the 32x as a breeding ground for future Saturn software, there were some interesting canceled games or demos that came out. Um, there was a planned Alien versus Predator. If you remember, there was a Alien versus Predator beat em up, the beat em up, beat em up that 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 was supposed to come out. That never material materialized. There was Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which was popular on 3DO. That was was apparently supposed to come out. I feel out, like never all did. the canceled games were probably better than the games that were actually released. You might be right about that. <laughs> the next one, really interesting, was called Castlevania the Bloodletting. And some of the sprites that were in this game, believe it or not, ended up um, influencing what happened in Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So we very well could have missed out on that game being released on the 32X. I said it'd probably be like $400 now. What? They put a Castlevania game on the 32X. Oh, if they did, yeah. <laughs> be up there with Spider-Man. Web of Fire, and apparently that's not a great game. No. Um, there was going to be a Shinobi game, which um, by all accounts ended up becoming Shinobi Legions, which ended up coming out on the on the Saturn. And uh, Virtua Hamster. Oh, yeah, who could forget? Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course. That would have been a classic. Le- leave it to Sega to come oh, out with a, with a with a. They would have been on their eighth sequel by now. Involving a hamster <laughs> running through pipes. <laughs> we'll have to revisit that someday. Yeah, I saw that episode on South Park. What? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they have a hamster go up his butt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about... Um, the, the like underpants the, gnomes yeah 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 but there's the uh there's the gay stripper guy yeah. with, the, with the with the police hat oh jesus christ yeah yeah well if you... that's where they got the idea from virtual hamster no way <laughs> there was also uh the last thing and the thing i find most uh interesting is that there was a and arousing flight... sometimes <laughs> there was a flight demo that resembled Panzer Dra- what would eventually become Panzer Dragoon that was created. Now, there's reports that say that it was for the 32X. My thought on this whole thing is that there were demos that were created that just involved what could possibly be done with these dual SH2 CPU processors. Wasn't there, um... uh, and it ended up becoming Panzer Dragoon. I don't know if it was necessarily started on the 32X, but it used that architecture, and it was... You can there's like a 10 second clip that you can find online, and it's all just single shaded polygons with a with a um, sort of like an airplane flying through what um, what looks like um, you know Stonehenge uh, structures, which really really looks close to what uh, Panzer Dragoon ended up becoming. Uh, did you have a comment? Anything else you wanted to add? No, I think I was gonna say one of the wasn't one of the games didn't they make. A canceled game was this was it kind of was like a like a wave race game. A wave race game. It was like a jet ski game. I thought for thirty two X is one of the like canceled games. I could be wrong though. I don't remember that. I don't. I don't recall a wave racing game. You're not thinking of like Jet Moto, are you? No, no, for, no. For PlayStation. Um, there were a lot of Sega games in the arcades at the time. There, oh. there was a, there was a Wave Runner game. Yeah, no, um, but I was thinking of another canceled game that they were gonna oh. make. Uh, Darkstalkers. 
That was that game. that was one of the canceled games that they were planning on. It was was Darkstalkers. Now we eventually got Vampire Savior on Saturn. Um, but yeah, there was you know there were there were you know major publishers that were on board. There was you know you had Konami, you had Capcom, um, you had you know which were pretty much the two major players at the time. I think when you talk about third parties, um, you wanted Capcom and Konami. If you had Capcom and Konami, back then you would be taken seriously. It's you, a wrap. If you didn't have them, you were going to be launched into probably obscurity or a niche that um, would be hard to come out of. Those those were two. You can't deny the the might of um, of those two publishers at the time. And look where Konami has gotten to today. I still wish they would have made that Alien Universe's Predator game. They would have been the only release of that game. Jet Ski Rage. I have never heard of that game. Well, that's a first. That's a first. Yeah, I was. I was thought I. I thought I had heard of it. Okay. I had never heard of Jet Ski Rage before. I'll have to look. We'll have to look that up later. Uh, some of the key games that came out. Um, as I mentioned before, Doom was a launch game. Star Wars was also also a launch game. And then uh, Virtua Fighter and Virtua Racing. You can't mention the 32X without mentioning uh, those two games because those were really the ones that said, oh my gosh, this is a next generation type of a, of a hardware system. Um, Virtua Racing came out very, very close to launch, I believe. And it was one of those things where, yeah, you had the Genesis version, but you saw this this one that came out on 32X and... It just it, it looked it looked like the arcade. I mean, it, it wasn't, but it really looked very very close, and it was one of those selling points for the for the system. And one of the reasons why it got any kind of sales that it got in the beginning was was you know attributed to things like Doom and uh, and Virtual Racing at the time. Virtual Fighter ended up not coming out until very very late in the 32x lifetime. Um, toward, towards the end. Oh, Jeffrey, <laughs> I win. <laughs> it's funny, you know. You look back at Virtua Fighter now on 32x, and their hands are mallets. They're they're literally meat mallets. But it didn't matter. It's a no gravity game. It they didn't just matter. Float everywhere. So, what are your earliest memories of 32x? How did you hear about it? And I, when did you like I said, it? I don't remember. I don't even remember hearing about it. And the only, the one I got it was when it was on like clearance at Caldor. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's when I got it. I think it was like 50. for twenty five bucks. No, I think it was fifty. It was either fifty or like seventy nine ninety nine. And I I I might have got it for like my birthday. It was like now did so that it come was, with Doom? Did you get Doom with it? Yeah, I have the picture. Remember on Christmas when I'm holding up, <laughs> holding up like my copy of Doom mm-hmm. for 32x. Mm-hmm. You look but... so enthused. <laughs> uh, but I don't. Cause yeah, I got. Well, I mean, it's not to say that because uh, it was only like six months before it was dead in the water. You actually, look, you actually look confused in that picture. Like you were holding it up, like your mom told you to, and you you still weren't sure what it was that you were you were holding up. Well, no, because I well it was one of the I, I picked it out. At least I think I did, because I remember that. I don't know if you remember going to Caldor when they they just had at the end at the end of the aisle they just had like a wall of thirty two. No, I know what you Build mean. that wall. Just thirty two X's I everywhere. <laughs> I remember, I actually remember it towards the front of the store. There was like a little um, like a floating kiosk that had them just. Oh no! I, yeah, I had. I remember seeing them in the uh, in the electronics yeah. section in the back at the end of the aisle, and it was. I, I they might have been seventy nine ninety nine because I think it was when it was first like. Announced that they had like discontinued it. So probably late '95. Yeah, cause I, if I got Doom for Christmas, then it it, it must have been. Yeah. It must have been around then. Yeah. Cause I didn't get it when it first came out. Cause I don't even I, like as I don't remember even really hearing about it. And then I think it already came out. I know a couple of my friends had gotten a PlayStation by then. And then I just I just for some reason I wanted a 32x. I don't know why. Yeah. And I remember I just remember getting Doom. I honestly don't remember even playing the game. The only the only game I remember really playing a lot was um, the WWF Raw for 32x, mm-hmm. and I got that at Walmart in their. I don't know if you remember the Walmart back then. They had the they had that huge like bargain bin yep. of games, 
and uh, yeah, I, just, I was just digging. It was like the five dollar movie bin, but it was right. video games back then. Right. And who I, can, who I can grabbed... forget about the five dollar movie bin? <laughs> I mean, it's still there. Going to Walmart at like one in the morning in the summertime <laughs> when you get in that, you have your you have your driver's license and you're in high school. You got nothing better to do. Well, let's go to Wendy's. Let's get a um, let's get a spicy chicken sandwich, and then we'll go over to Walmart and check out the movies, and see Tyler Griffin stacking the shelves in the in in, in the freezer section. Oh my God! See, this is what I'm talking about. You know, just like <laughs> just like those kind of memories. Oh man. <laughs> well, yeah, but the video, yeah, the video games one. They but they were they weren't five dollars. But I remember getting. WF Raw for like 20. They had a bunch of 32X games in there. So the first games I had were was that. Doom. I had Metalhead. I don't remember playing that one too much. I had Zaxxon's Mother Base. And I, I don't know how you, however you want to pronounce it. Col- Colibri. Colibri. Colibri? It, it, whatever. Yeah. And, and Virtua Fighter. And Virtua Fighter. And I played Virtua Fighter a lot. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you though? I mean, it might be the best game on the system. You know? I don't know what's, if I had. I don't know if I had Virtua Racing, but all these I got. I'm pretty sure I got all those at Walmart in their in their like clearance bin. They were all like twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, for me, um, I the only way that I got any sort of gaming news where I grew up um, in my town. I lived next to uh, one of my best friends growing up, and um, I still consider him one of my best friends, um, Matt. And Matt was a Sega head. He had two older brothers that were about 10 years older than us. Matt was about a year or two older than me, but his brothers, um, it was like the tale of two families. You know, like his mom and dad had two kids and then decided like 30 years later to have two more kids. <laughs> when I say 30 years, I mean like like yeah, like 5. Like 10, no, like no, honestly like 10 or 10 years later. Yeah. They had it was almost like they had another family. They had these two younger kids and one of which was Katie, who Katie was in the same grade as me. We were, you know, again, really really close um as we were growing up. We would always like, you know, go down to the river and, you know, catch like 20 frogs at a time and keep them in a bucket and, and then blow you know. them up yeah <laughs> no, we didn't do that that was the that was the uh, the sunfish down at the 10 mile river we used to we used to blow up those fish not all the time it happened a couple of times yeah. most of it was this guy nate kitchen who was insane who i remember bringing black cats down and what do you like just black like literally black cats no like the like the, like the firecrackers <laughs> like, oh so what are you talking about? like the fire you know the firecracker i call them black cats i don't know i think that was like a brand name of them i don't i've never but heard he that. would bring so he would bring these 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 little tiny firecrackers you know those those tiny little i know you know ones with the little wick and then they, they yeah blow, that's all of them they blow up well it's like a little cylinder you know those firecrackers with the wick you got a light and then they blow up <laughs> no tell me more <laughs> But you know what I mean. There's like a little cylinder. It's probably yeah. like an inch or two long. Yeah, that's every firecracker. I got it. It's not every firecracker. Some people buy Roman candles, you know. Anyways, and he would shove these 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 firecrackers in their mouths. Oh my lord! Light them, and you have to throw them quick. And you, yeah. He would throw them in the air, and it would just be raining guts. I mean, it was. This Jesus. kid was nuts. I mean, I was more of a spectator. Dude. I was like. This kid's insane. I actually don't think I ever put a firecracker in a fish's mouth, but it was like, it was like watching a train wreck. You know what I mean? How did we get here? We were talking about Matt. We were talking about Virtua Fighter, and then it just. <laughs> Listen, it's okay. It's a, it's very conversational. If we go off on tangents, that's okay. Um, so, anyways, so Matt's older brothers, they grew up with the Master System. And so the only family to grow with the master system. Uh, we'll talk about that another day. But anyways, he, so he, they bought Game Pros from time to time. And Matt, I remember once we, one day we were on the bus get, going to school, and he's like, "You got to, you got to hear about this. They're coming out with this new thing. Sega's coming out with this this 32-bit console. It's called the 32X. They're gonna have Virtua Fighter on it." And we remember going to parties at High Scores, which was an arcade in uh, South Windsor. And then we used to go to Time Out, which was in the Buckland Hills Mall in Manchester, Connecticut. And I think they had a unit there. So we knew a Virtua Fighter. I remember I remember. I used to, me and a couple of my friends, we used to ride our bikes to ECSU. 
and they they had That's a, Eastern Connecticut State University. They had they had a virtual fighter arcade cabinet there, and you we rode just, your bikes to Eastern just for that. I mean, I was. But I, you're on I, I lived like two miles so away. Close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we would just ride our bikes just to play. I think that was like the only. It was random. It wasn't like an. It wasn't like an arcade room. They just had a, a virtual fighter cabinet. We would just go there and just play. Just in like it. the lobby or whatever. For like an hour. Why two. wouldn't you though? Yeah. Who'd you play as? Um. I can't remember. I can't even remember the names. The wrestler. Oh, uh, Wolf. Wolf, yeah. Yeah. How? Yep. Anyway, so the whole draw for us, I, I can remember at the time, was Virtua Fighter, and it was, you know, that was the game that we wanted to have. It was, you know, first of all, it was 3D, which was blew our minds. Yeah, that was like one of the and first. It was. It was a really. 3D games, it was like a. Fight, it was the fighting. first 3D polygonal fighting game. Yeah. And it was a damn good one to to start out that whole thing. And we just had to have it. So when we heard that this, when he heard from his brothers that this was coming out, you know, we were anticipating it. Now I had no money as a little kid, so I mean, I was I was probably ten years old at the time, and there was no way I was gonna ask my mom for you know to buy me the thirty two X, which was gonna be coming. I didn't even know when it was coming out, but Matt and his and his brothers got it when it had first come out in late nineteen ninety four, and I can remember going to Matt's house on on the weekends and just watching them play star Wars arcade or, or watching them play virtual racing, which had just recently come out and you were just mesmerized. I mean, you looked at the screen and you were like, I, I, you know, those feelings when you're, you're looking at something and we don't get these, these, these things today where you see a new system and it's like, you're blown away the way you were back then. Well, no, cause it's, because the advancements much, yeah. back then were so wide it's like, you know, 1080p to 4K. It's like, right. eh, it's not right. that. You don't really Today you have it. people arguing about the resolution difference between an Xbox game and a PS4 <laughs> game. You know, back then we had a lot more to argue about, um, yep. you know. These kids, they don't understand. But it was just, you, you. it was hard to look away from the screen because you couldn't believe what you were seeing. You couldn't believe that you had the arcade literally in your home. You had a Virtua Fighter game or... A, or in this case, Virtua Racing, the way you know it was really meant no, to it's be. Virtua Racing. Um, I will correct you there. It's <laughs> Virtua Racing. Uh, and most people believe that um, it's widely held that the 32x version of Virtua Racing is the best one. It did come out on the Saturn as well, um, but by and large, people think of the 32x as the definitive version of that game, and it was a fantastic version of it. We would just race and, and try to beat each other's laps. And, um, you know, it was kind of that first foray into 3D. You know, when you think about it, everything up until then was was two-dimensional, side-scrolling or top-down. And the 32X was sort of a revelation. It was, it was, the, it was the, you know, we had broken the walls down into third, 3D gaming. And, you know, you dreamt about the possibilities of what could possibly be. And the 32X was that for a, even for a short short time, the 32X provided that. I can remember, I had saved up my money, and it took a while because I wasn't, you know, I was still only a kid, and I, you know, you only got money for sometimes your birthdays or Christmas. And I can remember it being early, early 1995. The um, 32X had been discounted at Babbage's. Um, in the Buckland Hills Mall to $99. And so I saved up my money. My mom, I, I got, it was like a school night, I think. And I was Put like, I was like, mom, can we go? They, they have, they have one left. Can I, can we go now? I did, I'm not knowing that, you know, this thing is basically on its last legs and about to fail <laughs> because I didn't, you weren't it's privy. A good deal. You weren't privy to that. You didn't know what was coming up really. And especially if you weren't getting any of the magazines, you didn't know I was 11 years old and all I knew was that I wanted it, and I wanted to play Doom. Doom was it just was an amazing game at the time, and that was really one of the best versions that you could play. Most people probably don't know, but if you didn't have a PC, you really you really couldn't play Doom. I mean, you had to either have a 3DO, which cost eight hundred dollars, um, or you had to own an Atari Jaguar. Um, which were both at the time more expensive than the than the 32x, which get on that sick version on the it, Super Nintendo. It wasn't even on our radar, <laughs> um, but uh, we I finally got so I finally saved up the money. I think I was 
I could be blowing, you know, I could, make, could be making this up, but I think I was like $10 short and my mom threw in the 10 bucks plus the tax and we got it. We, we got it. I had it in the car and I, I literally, I, I can't describe how excited I was to get this thing home. So what do you think happened when we got home? You couldn't connect it to your system. We couldn't <laughs> set the fucker up. Actually, that happened to me too. We did not, we could not set it up. I have never called Sega of America. You know, like the tip line? Yeah. We had to call Sega of America. No, I had the same issue because I had the Model 1 and it wouldn't work because you had to have a different, uh, like, cord. The, the cord. Yeah. So... it was, Which was in the which is in the manual. Yeah. So, <laughs> in fact, I don't even think I was able to set it up that night. I couldn't either. No, I had the same issue. We couldn't set it up. So, we waited until, I think it was the next day, which was a Friday, and I can remember... Um, do you know Devin Ramsey? Yeah. So Devin was over my house and I can remember we were, we finally got on the phone with Sega of America and we couldn't get the fucking clips into the Genesis (laughs) one. We were so petrified and worried that we were going to ruin either the Genesis or the 32 X. If we didn't have these clips in right, that all it did was hold down the little flap. That's all. My fingers bled. I cut my fingers open with the fucking metal clips because I was trying to fit them in and we didn't know how to do it. And I can remember I was I had to wash my hands out because I was bleeding. And we called Sega of America. And you know what they told us? I'll never forget this. The guy goes, yeah, um, uh, yeah don't use those clips. Just put the system in and uh, and see if it works. He goes, you know, he's like, he goes, well, you're throwing the clips out. Just throw the 32X in there, too. <laughs> We we canceled it actually. So <laughs> there's a good tip for you. They, well, they obviously were still supporting it because they helped us, but but he, but I remember seeing Doom flash on the screen and the guy, you know, the Doom guy, start to shoot one of the imps, and it was like, holy crap, this is amazing. We ended up, we finally got the clips in, and we we got the system in there. Uh, that's when I knew something was up, though. I was like, we can use this thing without the clips, can't we? But to this day, I almost feel weird about not using the clips. I don't know what it is, but I have this thing inside of me where I want to I want to make sure that the clips are in the Genesis. I don't know if it's just nostalgia, you know, of that of that moment in time. I want to bleed like I did then. Yeah, it seriously bled for the 32x. <laughs> um, and the the sad ending of this, I actually did get um, Virtual Fighter after it had come out. I think it was on clearance, and it came with it was a, a box set that had. 30, it had the 32X version of Virtua Fighter. It had a t-shirt that had all the characters on it. It said Virtua Fighter and then 32X in the background. And it had an instructional tape that taught you how to do the moves. Oh, the VHS tape? The VHS tape. I had. I owned the, the Virtua Fighter VHS tape, which is probably still at my parents' house. Um, but I remember watching it and just not even watching it because I wanted to see the moves. Just because I was hyping myself for playing this game. You know, I just wanted to watch the, the, the tape. And then, uh, so I, I really enjoyed my time with the 32X, and I can't even say that um, I thought it was a bad investment. The moment I knew it was a bad investment was when I saw the PlayStation. <laughs> only because I had only gotten it that year, and I, I, we were at Champ Sports, if if anybody knows Champ Sports, like a like a you know for basketball, Foot Locker, like a Foot Locker, and they were giving out these um, little magazines from EA Sports talking about all of the hardware that was out and some of the games that were going to be available, and there was the PlayStation, and they had glowed that the PlayStation was the next thing, and you had to own it, and it was already out, it had come out in late 1995. And it was it was there. You could you could buy it. And they talked, you know, they showed some of the pictures and and, you know, I, it just looked amazing. And I was like, I need to have this thing now. Well, what am I going to do? I already just bought the 32X. So I had kept my box. I had kept my receipt. I go down to, to, to Babbage's with my 32X. I'll never forget. My mom took me. She goes, you just bought this thing. You gonna you want to return it now? And like how long eight, did you have it? Like I had it for like six months or like oh. eight months. <laughs> and I can I'll never forget going down to Babbage's. Now I packed up everything neat. I had my receipt still. It was from the, from the box. And uh, it's only six months ago. No big deal. So I handed it over. I'm like, yeah, um, um, I bought this, and I you know I I um I actually don't really 
I don't, I don't want it. I wanted to see if I could get a return and get my money back. And back at the time, you could you could do something like that. Nowadays, if it's open, typically you're not going to be able to return something. But he looks at the receipt, and he like he like looks around like he's not sure what to do <laughs> because he sees this kid who's got like, you know, basically holding the weight of the world, you know, in front of him, just hoping that this guy's going to take this back, and he can see my expression probably. And at the same time, doesn't want to get in trouble for taking back something that is too old. And uh, he's just like, um, yeah, I, I don't know if we can take this. And I'm like, please, please, I just, I, I, I don't want it. Please, can you do something? And he goes, let me see what I can do. So here's twenty dollars. <laughs> he ends well. He so he ends up fully refunding me for the thirty two x. I get the hundred and five dollars or whatever it is back. I put that in my kitty. I save a bunch of uh, of money. I think I sold a few games, and then eventually I went down to Funko and I got a used version of, of a PlayStation, and I regretted it. Um, only a year or two later, I I, I wanted my 32x back because I missed playing those 32x games that were so amazing, and I remember getting hyped up for when Matt and his brothers were talking about it. Um, so I ended up uh, getting another one in 1998. And that's the one that I have until today that I've been using ever since. So that's my uh, match made in heaven. That's my thirty. It was just meant to be. That's my thirty-two X story. You know, so. If you what does they say? If you let something go, and it comes back to you, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. <laughs> it's true love. Thirty-two <laughs> yeah. X is is. True I let love. it go for a while. And it came back. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. Like Sega as a company, the thirty-two X is just it's such an oddity. It's almost like that lost puppy. It's like they they it's like Frankenstein. They put it out there and then they abandoned it. And it's like you almost it's hard not to feel bad for it. You know, because it had potential, but at the same time there was no way it was going to succeed given before it even the, came out. The, given the environment that it was released in. So it's it's kind of like a paradox the system, but you know, there are some some good games on it. There's not a ton of games. A lot of it's shovelware, a lot of it's crap. I shouldn't say shovelware, but a lot of it is not just not that good. Um, but the games that are good are 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 really good. If they would have put out like a Sonic game with it, a real Sonic been, game, you're not well, talking yeah, about no, no. Knuckles Chaotix. No, when it when it well, like literally when it came out, yeah, that would have definitely helped. But it's still, I I argue that it still wouldn't have done anything because you had the Saturn right there. No, I know. You know, the Saturn was launched with Daytona <laughs> USA. You know, it was launched with with a, you know, technically a better version of Virtua Fighter, even though it was very, very glitchy and flawed, it was technically a better version. You know, it had Panzer Dragoon that came out. That was a launch game. It had Clockwork Knight. It had momentum. It had some momentum at the time. The 32X was a failed system, in my opinion, before it even came out. And the 32X really is the start, in my opinion, of the beginning of the end for Sega. Um, and we'll hopefully get to the other stories you know i'm not sure how often we want to do these um we you know i I've, I've had a lot of fun this first one um i'd like to do to do more of them um and kind of travel down memory lane with you guys and just explore our gaming past we're big fans of nintendo we're big fans of sega um and some of the other some of the other consoles that came out uh playstation and such and uh, we'd love to revisit this with you guys and kind of go down memory lane and, um, you know, kind of build on this a little bit. So um, if you guys have any suggestions or you have any comments or thoughts, we would love to hear hear from you. Um, you can reach us at uh, by email at theturboduo at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, and uh, our name there is the Turbo Duo, all one word. We also have a few videos up on on YouTube as the Turbo Duo again, all one word. You can find us there. No, that's not all one word. You have to type, oh, type in the it, Turbo Duo. Yeah. With separately. Thugger. We're not. We're not big enough to have our own. Uh, our own name. Oh, so so <laughs> when you when you type in the is it separate like the Turbo yeah, Duo? Yeah. Okay, so it's not all one word. We haven't got to that upper echelon yet in YouTube glory where you can have your own YouTube.com slash the Turbo Duo. Understood. Understood. <laughs> well. Honestly, guys, it's not really about about that. It's really just about um, you know kind of reconnecting with our past and exploring some of the stuff because it it really is very interesting. A, a lot of the video game history tells a story, and 
and um, you know, kind of where we were and how we got to where we are today, um, and kind of some of the connections that we have. Video games are sort of a conduit to our memories and to the things that that connect us to to our friends. Trenton and I met um, when we were 15 in high school. And I can remember the first time I went over to your house, we played Kung Fu Heroes. I'm like, you know what? This dude's okay. <laughs> now, I don't know if I've played Kung Fu Heroes <laughs> on Nintendo since then. I still have it, yeah. Do you? Yeah. But I remember going to your house. That was, I think, one of the first games we played. I was probably like, yo, I played this game like way back. My friend yeah. had it. And now you got to play it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's... It's that kind of stuff that uh, that binds us. Um, <laughs> I, don't even, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, you, do you remember it now? No, yeah, 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 I do now. That was the first time I, I think I slept over at your house. We were playing Kung Fu Heroes oh, and on the floor. Okay. <laughs> That's your decision to in, inter, interject that. Just to let you guys know, I'm a happily married man. <laughs> I don't have to prove anything. <laughs> Um, and with that, we'll we'll close up the uh, this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and um, and we're gonna uh, have a nightcap of uh, a three hour round robin tournament in uh, Cosmic Carnage. <laughs> Let's get it. Yeah. Peace. See you guys later. Shake it, baby. Do that. Shake it, baby. I'm gonna record something. Oh, that was two straight men playing Duke Nukem on Sega Saturn. <laughs>